0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Hey everyone, it's Jessie here. Just a heads up, you know here at our podcast we're all for wanting to centre the perspectives of people who look like us and women who have historically been pushed to the sidelines of public conversation. So, if you haven't already, uh, I welcome you to leave a comment on our Facebook page, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It makes a huge difference in increasing our visibility and centering the conversations that we have on our pods. Enjoy this week's episode. (music) Hey everyone, it's Jessie, Uh and you're listening to another podcast episode of Asian Bitches Down Under. Hi Helen, how's it going? Not too bad, and yourself? Yeah,
0: good. Um, it's raining here where I am. Oh, it's very wet around our area as well. Yeah. And I've ran out of firewood. <laughs> right, yeah. nice. And miserable weather. But I,
1: I love the rain. I, no, I, I shouldn't say it's raining badly. Cause like that kind of connotes that rain, rainy, gray weather is like depressing and mm-hmm. sad, but I love mm-hmm. rain because it, I always feel like it's the reflection of my own internal feelings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can understand. I
1: always feel so much better when I wake up and then it's, you know, pouring or raining outside or it's gray. Yeah, I it's love kind that. kind of like
0: a cleansing. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Procedure, I guess. Yeah. So what's happening uh, in your life this week? Well,
1: it's graduation season over in the states, and like many people, I'm a sucker for good commencement speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Colleges get really famous people in each year to part words of wisdom to the graduating students, and a lot of them are on YouTube. At least the most famous, famous bunch. Was it only
0: for tertiary, or is it for high school as well? I think
1: um, it's mostly yeah. um, around tertiary, like yeah. college, um, college contexts mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. these commencement speeches make make a lot of noise. Um, in the past, the, for instance, the, um, Natalie Portman has given one at Harvard, Oprah at Harvard too, Elon Musk, uh, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey gave an excellent one, um, one of my favorites, as Sheryl Sandberg gave one at UC Berkeley a few years ago. But my favorite, favorite one has been um, one given by Steve Jobs in two thousand and five. Have you seen that one, hell
0: No, I haven't. I, I don't. I, I've seen like clips of people like attending graduation and giving speech. Mm. I think I can't remember which the one, which was the last one that I've mm, seen. Mm.
1: So this year, because because of the COVID and mm-hmm. you know large congregations are forbidden. YouTube and the Obamas got together mm-hmm. and created like a really long couple of hours long video um, conglomeration of a bunch of superstar celebrities yeah, like I've
0: seen the news on that one giving giving kind of like words of wisdom I think yeah I think he made like criticisms against Trump very clearly on the speech uh, Obama oh right I yeah, think yeah. A very direct yeah. criticism. Mm-hmm. yeah anyway mm-hmm. okay yep
1: yeah. But I, I guess like when I was watching it, I was just like, Jesus Christ, the people who have power and influence in our world, at least in the West, are like, there's this mm-hmm. ridiculous over distribution for um, o- over distribution of voices to celebrities and like really, really yeah. stupid. Like, I feel like I'm being very kind of classist in terms of <sighs> just like who who has power and influence in this world. And I guess in a way I am. Like, for instance, they had a lot of Netflix um, celebrities. They had, like, mm-hmm. singers. Like, Beyonce was on there. I'm not saying yeah. Beyonce is not important. But, like, they had people like John Mulaney. Like, who the fuck is John Mulaney? And then I Googled him and he's just like this... He's just a comedian. Like, I'm not, <laughs> dimi- I'm not diminishing comedians. Uh-huh. And it sounds like I am. And I can hear myself and the way it comes across. You know, I, um, it makes me sound like I um delegating worth in terms of you know different aspects of craft and what you do like every i, I honestly think everyone mm-hmm. has everyone has um worth in this world regardless of what they do you know except for trump yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> um but but um but like seriously like everyone they had speak were was either um a comedian or an, or a yeah mm-hmm. or a, an actor or a singer and then they had like two uh-huh. or three politicians. But I'm like, where are the scientists? Where are the teachers? Where are the writers, plumbers? Yeah. Where are, where are people the that ar- arborists? Where are the doctors? Like, yeah, like, what about normal people? Like, quote, unquote, normal people? Mm. Like, you know, they. I bet peeps are, mm-hmm. so many people yeah. have so many different ideas of what success is. And, like, if we just, like, give our young people absolute access only and platform to a narrow range of, like, fucking people who are just rich. Basically, what a celebrity is, is someone who's famous and rich, right? I just feel like there's a mm-hmm. deep, deep disservice yeah. to our young people.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's because that we, like, our graduations, I don't even remember who spoke in now, in my graduation. I remember mine. You remember yours? Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. I had
1: Kate Grenville, an Australian okay. writer. I don't remember what she said.
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I think it was just for my... For my bachelor's graduation was just some lecturer or professor in the uni and for my masters right. it was the same as well. Yeah. Um yeah, like you said, the value in that kind of speeches it really presents or reflects what it's presented to our young people in, you know, in our country. Mm-hmm. It's like you only mm-hmm. have to be rich and perhaps empower to have to execute that kind of speech exactly. in the public. Yeah. There's no platform for the uh there's no platform for the like a normal like you said, normal people to yeah. voice out what they think or sh- even share the experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And like um it really is so indicative of what we're telling our young people to aspire to.
0: Mm-hmm. Like mm.
1: <laughs> what like it's just these like these american like i just i'll i'll, I'll definitely link the video on our show notes but like um mm-hmm. i implore our listeners to go and check it out just a few of the faces and i'm like who the fuck is this person there's just so many like yeah. randos on there
0: I, I i'm guessing that it's perhaps that the colleges is trying to link the celebrity star and to their institution as well, mm-hmm. and perhaps that's a way to recruit new or enroll new students to attract i don't know you know it's yeah, it's a bit strange to me you know i I'll rather hear voices that's coming out from people that usually don't have a platform in the public. Scenario. Yeah. yeah,
1: but I guess, but, but but like just hearing us have this conversation now, I'm, I'm like my my thoughts are evolving mm-hmm. as we go, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking maybe maybe there's a f- there's a PR element to it. Yeah, like of course. Colleges need to have high profile mm-hmm. names.
0: Yeah, to connect yeah. attached
1: to their commencement speeches. Yeah, yeah you don't so. even know
0: if they've written the speeches themselves. They'll have someone who's written exactly. Yeah.
1: I have to say though, a lot of these commencement speeches are fucking boring. Like a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm
1: don't actually say that much. But
0: they're just there to show their face. Maybe,
1: yeah. yeah. And I really, the ones I really hate, yeah. like Tara Westover, she's the author of the memoir that was explosively popular in the last couple of years called Educated. I'm sure every single person has heard mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, she, I'm not saying she get a, gave a bad speech, but she gave an example of something that I find really irritating, which also Julia Magarilano, or I, I'm pronouncing her Surname wrong the the woman who was famous in the nineties mm mm-hmm. believe she was an e r maybe anyway yeah mm-hmm. um, both of these women um demonstrated this thing which irritates me, which is that in the beginning of the speech, they kind of start listing the ways that they feel disqualified for being up on stage. They're like, Oh, last year they had x y z oh. person, and then this year they invited me, and I'm uh-huh. wondering why, and I'm like, just fucking own it, you're there, just fucking start yeah. saying what you need to say. Like, like, stop comparing yeah. yourself to the person behind you or, like, before you, you know? It's yeah. so irritating.
0: I think <laughs> women have the tendency of having um, higher, mm-hmm. uh, like, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome, mm-hmm. you know? They they don't own mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's just mm-hmm. so frustrating. Yeah our uh, main conversation today which is regarding the whiteness of photojournalism
0: <laughs> okay um before we head into our main topic today i just want to go through a couple of random things um i want to give a shout mm-hmm. out to uh miss Nina Was okay she's a brilliant young woman who had just complete uh who had completed her thesis uh, her thesis title is "Question of Representation: The Contemporary Iteration of the Mixed Race Woman in American Literature." So Nina had posted one uh, on one of the Facebook uh, and that I joined, and she was asking if anyone's interested to read her thesis, and she offered me a copy. Um, I really enjoy reading papers as such, you know, hearing different experiences and observations from non-mainstream groups, and she also explore and discuss how. Social constructions and literatures could be the reason that people fall into stereotyping. Um, perhaps the mixed race could possibly become the dominant in the future. You know, you never know. Um, totally. And absolutely. She wa- yeah. Her, her thesis uh, reference on literary works such as, I think you've read this, Just yes, Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ninh mm-hmm. and Ruth Oz- Ozicki. Mm-hmm. Uh, all over Croatian and also my years of meat, um I enjoy reading her uh, i don 't want to call it dichotomy probably i don 't know if it 's a ju- juxtaposition um of the dragon lady and China to- doll, as in you know the making the metaphor of the Asian characters in the liter- literature yeah, yeah and she also explore how you know social uh, social structure come into um fetishizing you know, mm. through ethnic backgrounds and also the connections of the white male saviors in, in the you know in in the novels. Totally. Yeah. So she go uh, and Nina goes through the um Asian American Asian female authors. You know how she, the subverts of the stereotype, but also maintain the existing archetypal bones in the characters of uh, tragic mulatta. Well, how do you spell it? Like it's um. T I've never heard of it. What is it? I think it's like, um, uh, it's calling a person of mixed race. Oh, I okay. I think right. if I have to, I have to look up a bit. You yeah. should, um, and you also, should ask that question yeah. to
1: the um, subtle half-east yeah. train yeah. on uh, Facebook, that page <laughs> for half, yeah. white, half-Asian people. <laughs>
0: or mixed race yeah, kids are, I should say. Sorry. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and also, um. She indicates, you know, the importance of ex- expressing the self identification for mixed people. Yeah. You know, yeah. through perhaps the lens of growing voices that's once less heard of. Yeah. So I really enjoy reading that thesis. Can
1: can is it available to the public? That
0: thesis, uh, you have to contact her. Okay. Yeah, because there's a intellectual property, right? Thing. Well, we'll so, definitely yeah, make sure. I, I contact her before I said I'm gonna mention on podcast, and she's happy. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. if anyone, yeah, yeah, if anyone's interested, you know, get in touch with us, and maybe I, we can connect you with her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's really great that uh, women like her are spending, you know, spending a good chunk of their lives dedicated to mm. things that. These things that you know a lot of mainstream media and you know white people don't look at um, because it doesn't affect them, yeah. they don't look at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all about where we pay our attention to mm-hmm. and who pays attention to yeah. it. And it's great that we're hi- you're, you're highlighting someone like her. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I also want to mention that I finally finished reading Kinjo Jong- ji Yong, born 1982. Yeah. So I'll pass on that book to you. Next Thanks, time when I see help. you, um, it's actually rather easy work to read. I, I took a long time to commit yeah, so, so myself to read it. This, this yeah.
1: is mm-hmm, this is the novel that Helen and I spoke about the film. on our previous pod. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it took me a long time to commit it to read it because I had trouble reading stories that resonate my myself that I feel, With yourself, yeah, feel yeah, yeah yeah And uh, so, in case
1: you have forgotten, mm-hmm. it's the story of a um, Korean woman, a mother in modern-day mm-hmm. South Korea in Seoul yeah. and the struggle she faces as a young mother. Yeah,
0: and I just – I hate to having that kind of emotion, overwhelming. Like, we, I know the sto- how the story plays out, you know, because we've watched the film. But mm-hmm. there's parts of the novels that the uh, that were not played out in the movie. I thought I that right. was okay. actually quite important, but it just didn't – they didn't have it in the movie that I, I was kind of – disappointed after that I read the whole thing. Yeah. And thanks for sending me the the ebook, The End of po- Policing. Yeah. Have you started reading it?
1: Yeah. So Verso Books is a amazing um, publication in the States. They publish a lot of um, mm-hmm. stuff by Rebecca Solnit, who is literally um, my God. Like, I, mm-hmm. she is the Bible. I, Rebecca Solnit is my, the work in which I turn to mm-hmm. day in, day out, um, if you haven't read her, guys, go and read Rebecca Solnit. Anyway, they um the week after George Floyd's death, they they gave away an ebook of, um, a book called White Supremacy. Um, and it is mm-hmm. for free, and it was a piece of work by Leila Said. Um, and it's subtitled How to Recognize Your Privilege, Combat Racism, and Change the World. Um, I really implore people to go and check that book out if you have not, considering the um, recent events.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that's the second one. You oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I haven't started sorry, read that yeah, one, but start reading that one. Sorry. Yeah, the end of policing is the one. Yeah. yeah end of by an um, uh, academic. Yeah, that one or by Alex. other. Yeah. Alex Vital, I think. by Vital. Oh yeah. yeah, I think it's a fantastic book that everyone should read. It's not only. About racism, that it it um discusses it's so much. I learned so much. I mean, I'm already thirty pages into the book, but I'm learning so much about the system in U.S. Oh, and yeah. perhaps you know the global police yeah. force that is not only with a race mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the similar mm-hmm. problem that's happening in Hong Kong since last year. Yeah, and uh, fighting about the rights, calling out on government problem and the extreme forces that the police are using is definitely not appropriate. But then again, you know, we're talking about toxic behaviours. And it is something that it needs to bring um, into the light. And I don't know, perhaps it's the patriarchal ideas or authoritarian that has long passed down in generations. You know, it's causing the citizens that... Totally. That's what exactly... That's
1: exactly what it is. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to dismantle. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, um, okay, so let's jump into our uh, main topic today. Uh, it's about photojournalism. So, Jesse, would you like to talk, uh, tell us about why you're interested in this area?
1: Well, specifically, um, I'm talk- I want to talk about the- and address the issue of race, um, and gender, and the overrepresentation of white men who mm-hmm. who who are practicing as photojournalists. Mm-hmm. Um, not just today, but since since photography became a Mm -hmm. thing, you know, a hundred years ago. And um, I guess I have a long story, which I kind Mm -hmm. of want to really unpack. So um, when I was 23, 24 years old, Mm I had finished a uh, degree in music and I became a music teacher at a very wealthy private girl's school in the east of Sydney. And during that time, because I kind of fell into teaching music, uh, I never intentionally went into it i wanted to become a professional violinist and because i had scored such a great job it was really cushiony it was really great pay the kids were like fucking easy to teach i eventually got fired from this mm. job which i might mm. talk about in some what? other <laughs> pod <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, interesting. um, well the story is actually related to yeah the story is actually related yeah. to photojournalism so i i wanted um because the job was so easy and i also had so many different Ambitions. I I remember just starting to become very interested in Mm photojournalism. That, because I've always been interested in the power of images, you know, specifically photos to change the way we see the world. Um, And that year I read the book about Tim Hetherington, and the book was called Here I Am. It was a book written by Alan Huffman. And I was so saddened by his story, um, Tim's story. So, Tim. Tim was a war photographer who worked for big publications like Vanity Fair and The New York Times. In 2007, Tim won the, uh, that year's World Press Photo Competition, which is, like, very, very, very prestigious. Um, and he won that prize for his picture of a, an American soldier who looks really tired and he's covering his face with his hands following a day of fighting in Afghanistan. And, and that was the first time I learned about Tim, because when, I'm interested in the people behind the lens. In, in 2011, Tim was killed by mortar shells while covering the front lines in the besieged city of Misrata in Libya during the Libyan civil war. He was only 40 years old. And... He was a really beautiful photographer. He, I was especially captured by the tender pictures he took of U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan while they were sleeping. And the and the photo essay um, portfolio was called Sleeping Soldiers. And um, have you seen it, Hel?
0: No, I haven't seen okay. it. I went through all the photos. <laughs> I didn't went through all the photos. I, I looked up the World Press Photo Competition website, but I haven't yeah. gone through <laughs> it's so many photos, right? All of them, yeah. It's it's and yeah, it's also very yeah.
1: depressing for a lot of reasons, which we'll unpack soon. But it, this this portfolio that Tim had of the sleeping soldiers really um, punctured an image I had of what an American soldier looked like, what masculinity looked like, and and it really showed the men as really as, as they are like tender vulnerable human beings so mm-hmm. the 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 pictures just basically show young men and the soldiers mm-hmm. without any kind of gear they're just kind of in a t-shirt and they're sleeping mm-hmm. on these bunk beds mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful they're just so beautiful and and like he was really able to through his pictures um cut through the the sort of preconceived ideas of what you know an an american soldier looks like and he just humanized Mm -hmm. these young men which i thought was so beautiful like i i mean Mm -hmm. i go on about how much i hate white men and the power that they have but i also like Mm -hmm. this is the conflict um like photojournalism is one of the examples where i like am completely in love with someone something but also completely angry about the problems that it has and men Mm -hmm. like white men is one of them like um I love men. Like I can't help it. I fucking mm-hmm. I I love. Like I'm a very basic heterosexual woman. I'm a fucking boring heterosexual woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. I think. But you can't help it. There's there's just certain like certain people in this. You know. In the group of men, that's well, just a lot. make you hate yeah. them.
1: Or well, like, just I, I yeah. think it's not specific men I hate; it's the power that the collective group has. That's what I hate. Um. And so, anyway, mm-hmm. um, back to yeah. Tim. I thought, I thought immediately about the power of someone's lenses. You know, like seeing pictures, mm-hmm. and how a photographer can really shape the way we see the world. And I've always wanted that power, like to offer up an alternative way of seeing to contradict set norms, mm-hmm. and to question preconceived ideas and notions of what it means to be a human, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this book um, about him really engulfed me in a way like nothing else. I'd, you know, at that point, I'd barely traveled overseas. Uh, you know, there was just something so inspiring about someone who was willing to put their life on the line in order to tell the world about truths that are so hidden from us like most of us Mm -hmm. are lucky enough never Mm -hmm. to be involved in combat war you know and i have Mm -hmm. to admit there was definitely an element of like exoticness and you know this thing of Mm -hmm. you know we're all drawn like when we drive past a car accident to have a look you know we all have that sick Mm -hmm. compulsion in us
0: want to yeah yeah yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and um I guess I wanted to talk about photojournalism today and its racial and gender problems because it's just one of, like I said, one of the countless things that I'm both in love with and find a lot of problems with. Other examples include mm-hmm. Hollywood, um, romantic rom-coms, <laughs> white men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, with photojournalism, there's just there's this, this ginormous sort of unspoken gender and racial gap um, in the mm-hmm. industry and – we talk a lot about the homogeneity of our political leaders, but rarely do we talk about those behind the cameras mm-hmm. and behind the stories and who is mm-hmm. writing these stories and whose lens we are seeing the world's major events through, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me think when you told me that you want to do photo, uh, photojournalism. is that the first thing that came up to me was national geographic. Right, yeah. Because, you, you know, our dad, sends, uh, they, uh, our dad subscribed uh, the magazine for Luke, my son. Yeah, so yeah, and he, our, also he, he reads that very yeah. religionlessly. and he also he did that, that for magazine. us.
1: Like our dad, yeah. um, subscribed to the National Geographic to us when we were kids, and we yeah. were like, just like a few years out of my migrating here to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I remember not ever reading the text because I couldn't. I could never understand the text, but I always looked at the pictures. And yeah. they were always of, like, African kids mm-hmm. or kids in South Af- America. Mm-hmm. Like, there were always pictures of either, like, the landscape, nature, animals, or mm-hmm. people who did not – people who I could not see in Sydney. We
0: yeah. don't see it yeah. on our in our country. Yeah, yeah. It was just very different. And somehow that – um I I remember that my son mentioned to me this is when he was about 7 yeah when first when he first got the magazine he said he wanted to be a photographer interesting yeah and he wanted to uh, travel to those places where the magazine shows yeah. to take photos as well yeah. and i kind of I, I kind of hesitated whether or not that I should support him or not because i know that it's 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 a very dangerous You know, career path that he was thinking.
1: Well, for one, it's like shittily paid.
0: Yeah, and it's not paying well, you know. As in, like, Like,
1: there's no stability.
0: I don't know. What's what? How does the society view view photographers nowadays? You know, they don't earn that much and it's such a laborious work as well. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that um, perhaps female photographers get criticized because, um, you have to have a lot of stamina and energy to carry all the equipment and to catch up of what's happening on the front line to capture those pictures. You
1: basically have to just not have a family. That's not true. I take that back like uh, plenty of women. yeah, plenty of women have families and are successful to- photographers is just
0: mm. uh, very difficult. Yeah. Uh,
1: obviously, I mean it goes without saying there are barriers for women that don't exist yeah. for men. Like mothers and fathers, there's a difference mm-hmm. there still.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's very hard and it will kind of um I don't want to say it's absolute, but you'll probably influence you as a photographer to Decide what kind of pictures to take. Yeah, like, absolutely. It what. Yeah, it depends what stage of life you're in. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, like, if you're a mother of a young child, it's it's less likely you'll go to a combat um, mm-hmm. region because you don't. Yeah, I don't want to speak for a mother. Mother, I don't want to speak for a mother who has a young child. But I am making a guess. I'm not even saying it's an educated guess. I'm just making a guess that mm-hmm. you wouldn't probably want to risk your life when you have a small child and the same goes for a mm. a, a father, you know, if they had a young mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. And and I guess that's also yeah. why, you know, a lot of the um sort of photographers that I'm seeing at least in the early stages of their career, they the, the the ones who are taking pictures of combat regions and wars mm-hmm. around the world, conflict areas, they tend to be younger.
0: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they don't have families yeah, yet so they- or they don't not have yet just they don't have
1: families like that they are responsible for mm-hmm. maybe you know less likely mm-hmm. but yeah um yeah, yeah. so in 2018 um the top 3 winners of the prestigious Taylor Wessing Prize photography prize depicted people of color um and they were all photographed by white photographers in 2015 85% of respondents in a, in the state news photography study mm-hmm found that um, 85% of the respondents were men. So that's overwhelming, you
0: yeah, know? Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a couple of other <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. uh, statistics I'll just quickly give out. So between 2012 to to 2017, so women made up just 15% of the entries to the World Press Photo Awards. 15? Won five. Yeah, 15. Yeah, yeah, 15. And... Well, according to one of the 76-page document published, this is in 2015, um, it says that of the 236 women photographers who participated in one of the study, 82% said they were university-educated. Whereas compared to sixty nine percent of male, so there's a higher percentage of female photographers that has higher education. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, it,
1: yeah, who who are like technically qualified? Yeah, yeah,
0: qualified.
1: Technically, but qualified. There, like they went and got yeah, an education, yeah. formal education. And they're still
0: getting less pay, which is I saw <laughs> the disparities. so. It's it's amazing. I I can't, I'm speechless about this disparity. Can you tell us? Um, according to this article, it says that a salary more women earn less than nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine, I assume U S dollars, compared to mm-hmm. men, and many more men earn over eighty thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, but I feel also that those like <sighs> I don't just I don't argue those statistics at all, mm-hmm. but there's also just the fact that there's not a lot of women to in the pool. Mm-hmm the disparity is so it's such a great leap it's such a great difference
0: mhm yeah so one of the female photographer um i looked up there's an article on the guardians the title woman battling sexism in photography a picture essay this was actually relatively um recent article was mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. march 2019 so they reported uh, a female photographer, her name's uh, Sibom Ma- Malino-Wuski. Yeah, so she was a photography assistant back in 2005. To whom? When she, um, she didn't say her employer, she didn't mention her employer, but she said that when she first started, her her employer told her that you need to do 100 push-ups a day. What the, and the fuck? Reason is, yeah, I know. And the reason is to match the strength of a man, you know. So <laughs> the, the physical discrimination, strength. What? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The discrimination came worse when she got pregnant, you know. She oh. said that she was losing job because she was considered that she was not up for it.
1: Yeah. God.
0: Um, but eventually she, she you know, founded or co-founded um, an institution called Agenda, which is a platform for female photographers. Um, it's to design to exchange ideas and and careers for female photographers. yeah,
1: just like just hearing you say all this, just hearing you say all this ma- made me realize why I'm like really, really confused as to why this is not a massive thing that people talk about like because like literally mm-hmm. it is an overwhelming majority of the person shooting. Uh, perspective, like you know how we go on mm. and on about diversifying voices, yeah. like I want to get rid yeah. of that word voices like it's too abstract, like what I want to normalize mm. is this word perspective, like whose perspective mm-hmm. are we normalizing? Yeah. whose perspective are we giving platform to and it's just like the people behind the camera, an actual camera, the lens mm-hmm. is like you can't get any less metaphorical and more fig for more literal and less figurative or more figurative about this, Mm -hmm. like what we're talking about. It's Mm -hmm. the fact that white men are behind those cameras and white men are telling people how to see because they are literally showing us what they're seeing, and they're mm-hmm. showing us what they think is important needs to be seen. There's a you know? choice
0: that's made when you're taking yes. photos as well. You what you about what to, you think. Yeah, yeah what you important. think is important. What you think is beautiful. Yeah. What you think is not beautiful. And also, it, it kind of um, gives the narratives of what you know people will stereotype into, like fem- The differences between, I'm guessing, like female and female. Uh, male photographers, as in what type of photos they're taking. You know, there's, I think there's two t- stereotypes that detect, you know, that you, women should stick what they know. Like for example, photos of wedding, beauty, and you know, childrens and family um, portraits, nature. Yeah, portraits and nature, and yeah, we, I'll touch
1: on that later when we talk about the yeah. World Press contest.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, where I read up. Um, there's a photographer called Jill Greenberg. Um, in her TEDx talk, that she mentioned that nearly every image we're surrounded has been filtered through a man's eye. Yes, exactly. That was so powerful, you know, because we're not given like females are not given enough opportunities to, to show what other images that is important to the world and Exactly. Even so that um one of the veteran uh, conflict photographer uh of National Geographic, uh Steve McCurry.
1: Oh yeah, famous too. He said that
0: he doesn't think he doesn't think that women and men take different kinds of photos. You know?
1: That is exactly what a man would say.
0: Yeah, I know, a white man. <laughs> He said, this is his, this is his, these are his words. He said, that, I think the whole macho echo of aggression and war is more of a male thing. I think more men are more drawn into going out to play cowboys and Indians. I was just thinking, okay, what do you mean drawn towards that kind of behavior? I think it's more like a, they're taught when they're young. Like, can you, can you think if a a, a little boy that's given dolls and Barbies and pink stuff, when he's young, he will prefer to go on and take photos at a war zone when he's growing up, so it's not I think he's talking a bit more like a biological sense, but I don't think it's right, a really right. biological influence you know it's a social construct
1: well that's that is literally the that is literally the the theory which the patriarchy has mm-hmm. tried to inject yeah into the into the world like they've always just been yeah. on leaned on the excuse like that's biology that's biology no, that's not. biology when like everything is literally i honestly believe this that it's been constructed by white men mm-hmm. and so it's their perspective and their beliefs that has been has been considered truth you know mm-hmm. the whole truth nothing but mm-hmm. the truth like mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea of rationalized rationality, you know, the Enlightenment, all those people, those, you know, you just list any philosopher, uh, like mm-hmm. all of them were white men, you know, the pe- yeah. the economists, white men. Ev- I could just go on forever, you know, like the world up until 50, 60, 70 years mm-hmm. ago was constructed by white men. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's still going to take us so long to dismantle
0: all these ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's because the words that they say and they make it, justifiable for the other people to follow as well Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. exactly I've got a very good quote from one of the photographer who's uh, the San Francisco Chronicle photojournalist Diane Fitzmaurice she said that whether or not you're a man or a woman that you need a certain Mm -hmm. kind of traits to be a photographer such as compassion patience and perseverance Also, you need to build a relationship with the subjects and craft a long-term story. Also, you know, there's a female and male photographers We are using those skills and personality traits to get the story what they, you know, or to get the stories they're getting. Like you mentioned, Tim, as in he had taken photos like sleeping soldiers um, that might not seen as, you know, the aggressions or the... Um, what's happening in the war zone, but there, there's a soft side to it.
1: And also, Tim Hedrington was fucking hot.
0: Well, so I <laughs> you think just that have was... to mention that. Oh, yeah. Like, he was
1: beautiful. Like, uh, everything, mm. like a person's physique, definitely, I, I take into... Like, I'm not saying if he wasn't hot, I wouldn't have mm. paid attention to him. I'm just saying that was definitely on the cards. Like, he's a very attractive, tall man. And he, like, I've heard him speak and I've read stuff, you know, where mm-hmm. he's interviewed and he said it was, like, hard for him to hide because he was, like, he was so big and, you know, it was obvious when he went into a war zone, especially in Africa, um, in, the, mm-hmm. in those regions where he really stood out. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was going around, like, I, I travelled to Yemen mm-hmm. when I was 25 Um mm-hmm. For about a week, because I was there for, I was in the Middle East for a couple of, like two, a month and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I was teaching at a Palestinian refugee camp um, in Nablus, Balata, and um, teaching the violin. And I traveled to Yemen taking pictures. And mm-hmm. I remember then thinking I could hide, it was easier for me to hide. And also, as a woman, I could access places in which a, a man couldn't you know mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. lot of these yeah. um countries where yeah, that, it's that's, much more that conservative was one of the things yeah. that the
0: other female photographers that have mentioned in those mm. articles that they, they can gain access and also trust to the women and trust, children yes yeah. that's that's it yeah Usually, and i wonder like yeah.
1: would would a woman have been able to produce the tender pictures of those sleeping soldiers the way tim hetherington could you know cuz he was a fellow guy you know Mm -hmm, so he was mm -hmm. able to go into their bunkers and you know yeah be given the space Mm -hmm. to 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 take these pictures of them in such a vulnerable state like I Mm -hmm. I think I would feel like I had one boyfriend take a picture of me um while I was sleeping Mm -hmm. and like I besides that I think I would feel really like scared about having a stranger take pictures of me while I'm asleep.
0: Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> that's
1: so <Yeah. quite> creepy. <laughs> yeah. Because you're um, a status
0: you, you asleep being asleep is at a status of not knowing what's happening, you know. Yeah, and you're exactly you. you're that is vulnerable. like vulnerable. Yeah. The
1: tip the, that's like the apex of vulnerability, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You have no power over how you're seen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah, so um I want to talk about this thing that I've been obsessed with since I was a young person. And it's the World Press Photo Foundation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who are the people behind the World Press Contest, which I talked Mm -hmm. about. So the organization is based in Amsterdam and they were founded in 1955. um, And they have had since then um, 64 past winners. Do you want to guess how many of those 64 have been women?
0: I would say very... Very very few numbers, three or four. You hit it. It's three. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So three over sixty-four. Four. Yeah. <laughs> are they are they white?
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, 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 they are. Um, so Dana Smith in nineteen ninety-nine, mm. um, Lara Joe Reagan in two thousand and one, and Jody Bieber in two thousand and eleven.
0: They're all very white surnames, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and do you want to guess how many from the sixty-four have been from? Well, like, how about I'll uh, ask two questions. Which mm-hmm. country do you think has been the overwhelming winners, where the photographers have come from?
0: Well, I'll say U.S. Yeah,
1: U.S. No, yeah, U.S. So yeah, yeah so US, U.S. have had twenty-two. Of the past sixty four winners, mm-hmm. like U.S. photographers, mm-hmm. so I mean that says a lot. You know, that's indicative of mm-hmm. who has power, who has yeah. resources. You know, yeah, who has yeah, who's the cultural mm-hmm. sort of surveyor,
0: trendsetter. Yeah, trendsetter. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should
1: also explain. Yeah. Um, every year there are there's like one major award. Which is like the main winner, and then there are different categories. So there's like nature, long-term projects. There's general news. There's um, environment. Mm-hmm. There's
0: um, there was sport. Yes, yeah, sports. You believe it? Which
1: no, no, no. I absolutely <laughs> think it's as valid as anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Seriously,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think. I think every single category is in, is important. Um, and this year's main winner was won by Yoshui Yachiba, uh, a Japanese man, and. Uh, Japanese photographer and he took a picture this winning photo is of a black man a young man illuminated by mobile phones uh, reciting poetry um, while demonstrators other black bodies are chanting around him and it's taken in Sudan and I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful picture. It's really beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. The boy's face is passionate and strong and he's surrounded by this sea of black faces and black hands. It's really inspiring. But like like the all the previous mm-hmm. winners, mm-hmm. which I will go into in detail for our listeners, I was conflicted because every year, it's like year after year, we see pictures of mm-hmm. people in the most sort of like their most comprom- not compromised state, but it's just like, these pictures are devastating and really bleak. And like, who are the people looking at it? Like me, the most like like luck- the most privileged, wealthy people in the world are looking at these people who I will never meet. Probably, I will never develop a relationship with. And it, I just feel like there's some sort of deep incongruence to mm-hmm. that, to that prize, where we're like rewarding yeah. someone. Like me, privileged, mm-hmm. um, to go in a space that we don't, that that is kind of outside of us, and like just capturing a moment, and then mm-hmm. I wouldn't say glorifying it, but I kind of want to say glorifying it. You know? Do you know what I mean? This just this conflict I have. It's so I don't I
0: I don't know how to resolve it. I I look through. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I understand what you how you're feeling. Because I looked through the photos in the WordPress photo, uh, WordPress photo website, I would say large portion of them are portraying very like de- underdeveloped countries and the suffering they're going through. Or, exactly. That's that's or the world war they're mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. through. Um. The pain, you know, you see there's a couple other photos of injured citizens mm-hmm. that's, you know, in the hospital. Or even the, um, there's one that I've got it right in front of me of the plane crash yeah. of, what is it? Like the two relatives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, you're talking about the... The one that she's grieving through at the crash site at Ethiopia near Addis Ababa. Yeah, yeah, I was going
1: to mention that. I was going to
0: mention that. Yeah. So, I wouldn't I don't know. I I'm I'm not quite sure whether or not this is ethical when you're taking photos of like to me, of course. I I I I know that everyone yeah. individual have different ethical standards, but to me, I I wouldn't want to take photo a stranger's in their most gruesomely grieving moment grieving. in their life.
1: Yeah. It's that yeah. It's the same moment. It's the same thing I felt when there's this really horrifying picture of um, the sister of one of the teachers who was shot in the New, New Newtown massacre a few years ago, you know, when like 21 kindergarten kids were killed and a couple of teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's this one mm-hmm. picture that captures the re- yep. reaction, the actual reaction of a woman who just found out that her sister had been murdered. She was one of the teachers in the school. Like uh, that for me was deeply distressing. Mm-hmm. And this picture Mm -hmm. that you mentioned, yeah, that was one of the nominations. Um, It's of two women who are dressed in black, throwing her hands. She's throwing her hands over her face um, after just learning the death of a relative from the Ethiopian Airlines flight that crashed last year in March. And that that mm -hmm. picture was taken by Ethiopian photojournalist, Mm -hmm. Mm Muluga Adjini.
0: I remember when I was growing up, um, taking photos of people that's grieving and in the most vulnerable states, it's, I don't know, like... Rude? Goes, yeah, I it's think it Violating. It's you're violating. Like, yeah, that's invading. There, It's, it's invading, invading something of
1: their humanity, their expression.
0: Yeah, I think it's invading as well. But at the same time, I kind of can understand what the photographer is trying yeah, to express Yeah, totally. To. And you I know, think... You're, you're passing through the pain of someone who is totally strange. If he hits you, that means that... You feel the same, or at least similar, of what's what the problem that is causing this pain, and perhaps we'll do something about it. You know, that's what I um, wonder.
1: Like, how many of us who who yeah. like me look at a World Press photos and like end up doing something about it? Like, can we? Can we do anything about it? And like uh, all these things mm. that we're saying, uh, we're yeah. not. I'm not saying at all that there is no, like, definitely there's a responsibility, a deep, deep. Significant responsibility that photojournalists have. I'm not saying that they don't matter at all. I'm just, mm-hmm. I guess, I'm just putting it out there that I'm. I wonder how they overcome these conflicts of like whose humanity are they? Are they like are giving themselves permission yeah. to extract? You know, and it's always every single year the major mm-hmm. winners um, um, are like the pictures we see are of people suffering, like dead bodies, people disenfranchised, people Mm -hmm. um, stuck in warfare, um, conflict, people in hospitals, you know, every single year it's of someone Mm -hmm. so outside of you and I.
0: Yeah, it feels like they need to present um, like the stories of suffering and pain to remind all of us that how – I don't know how lucky we are. Or... I hate
1: that. I hate that.
0: Um, because I remember, you know, I like in. I don't know how much it senses in Taiwan. Because I remember growing up, you know, looking at some of the photos that photographers has taken, similar of that photos that we just mentioned about two women grieving, and there mm-hmm. will be like social commentators jumping out and saying that you should not take that kind of photo because it's very violating yeah. to the family of the disease, the the person who passed away. But again, we're seeing that, like you said, I, ha- I honestly haven't seen such, you know, powerful photos in a very long time of what they have presented in um, the world press, you know? Yeah,
1: that's why I love it. They're all really powerful images. I think it's important, like, I love it because... This is part of the reason I, like, Mm -hmm. am desperate to leave Sydney. Um, Everyone seems really comfortable here. Everyone is so nestled in their comfortable, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, great welfare. Like, you know, Australia is just, like, literally Mm -hmm. bathing in its own bubble. And the reason why I've always been drawn to photojournalism, Mm -hmm. specifically to World Press Contest, is because it fucking reminds me that there's a bigger world out there and that there are people suffering and that 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 in a way is more real to me than like walking down the streets of Newtown for me, like, which, you know, I don't have a care in the world. I don't have to be like, I don't have to worry about being molested or raped or whatever. Like uh, just in there's something fucked up in the way I see the world. And, And to me, it feels like I remember, I remember in, when I was in Yemen, I really wanted to come home. Like I, I remember coming back from Yemen and having these, Mm-hmm. hundreds of pictures and wanting to share them with friends and wanting to, to like, send these pictures out to publications because I wanted to remind people that there were other things outside that we don't see. Like, I never grew up when mm-hmm. I was in primary school or high school. I never was encouraged to explore a bigger world outside of Sydney. And I think when I hit my early 20s, I was mm-hmm. really angry mm-hmm. about having not been forced to see that there's a wider world out there and definitely the world press mm-hmm. contest and its foundation is so important because it rem- it it just keeps us grounded about this truth this reality that there are people outside of us around the world yeah mm-hmm. like who are experiencing things that are so unbelievably unimaginable you know in ways they're suffering in unimaginable mm-hmm. ways
0: you just remind me to look up on the subjects of photojournalism. We were listening to one of the podcasts about Tiananmen Massacre over the weekend. And it just reminded me, I went to look up on the photos between mm-hmm. 89 and 90. And I found that photo of the Tank Man. That's actually the photo of the year in 1990. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was the winner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually,
0: you know that... Yeah, that was taken by... Uh, uh, Charlie Cole. Yeah, so the American photographer. It was it's through yeah it's through a lens of a, American men, you know, because I think a lot of yeah photographs that's probably been been taken by the locals would have been destroyed. Yeah, yeah. See. Yeah. So we were listening to that podcast, and it really it, I it. Brought me it brought up a lot of emotion because it made me remember the trauma <laughs> that I had in the eighty nine that um talking about photos um our mom used used to um subscribe one of the yeah one of the very popular kids um newspaper in taiwan and i remember that i had my birthday on the third of june and on the fourth of fourth of the june the paper arrived at home and the pictures on the front cover just gave me the just i have traumatic memory since then Wait wait, have, wait wait
1: wait what the fuck i do not hmm. know this story what was the picture
0: it, it had pictures of um, people covered in blood and ambulance on fire. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, can we just stop there and just remind our listeners that where were you at this point and how old were you? Where, you're in Taiwan. Oh, we were
0: still in Taiwan and I was eight. Okay, and this is 19 yeah. 1989.
1: 1989. Yeah, you were eight years old. Eighty nine. the Ten yep. Square. And Square. Yeah. And, and you saw this yeah. picture in front of a newspaper. Mm-hmm
0: in front of the kids newspaper and it was very powerful in the sense that i it like before that i was never encountered you know like very violent or blood covered mm-hmm. pictures like photographs yeah you know probably i've watched some of the silly violence on animation but it was never that real to me
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and there was a photograph of a little girl a white girl that was holding a doll and she was crying. She was standing in the middle of the airport. She was probably waiting for her parents because I think they were, during that time there was evacuation yeah. of the Westerners yeah. out of the yeah. city. Invasion. Yeah. And I don't... Yeah, I, I'm actually a bit sad that when we moved, I didn't keep that paper because I remember mum had kept all the papers and had put it in like a big binder. But we didn't... Bring it with us when we moved to Australia, but that image, those images, has imprinted into my head.
1: See, that's just so incredible. I don't know the story. That's
0: it's like, mm. yeah, it's like in the first encounter as a kid, so real. Like, you know, has seen the violence that um, yeah. one human can do to the other human.
1: And and these pictures were being published in Taiwan.
0: Yeah, these pictures were published in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: it was. We're in probably in Beijing and China. You know, yeah. I mean, still today, no, none of those images
0: are out yeah. in public. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it it made such a big impact to me that I call it a trauma because I can still remember it so vividly the moment that I saw those pictures. It's like, gosh, I've been—you know—you feel like you've been cocooned in the home that you never encountered that those kind of violence, but it just vividly appeared in front of me.
1: Can you describe the most horrifying image that you remember?
0: Oh, the most horrifying one would be like this—like a Chinese student been bashed in the head and there was blood running from the top of his head and covered all like all over and also there was a picture of the ambulance that was on fire which later like decades later that i only knew that that ambulance was on its way to like save the students that's been attacked by the militaries and was ran was like ran over or shoot, shot short by the military like stopping them literally stopping the ambulance to save the injured yeah. yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. And that was on fire. Yeah, was on that, fire. Was put, that was that yeah. was Yeah. Yeah. Lit
1: on fire that ambulance. Yeah. <sighs> Horrible. Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow, we've gone really see how political everything is. Like I wonder if we're going to get like hacked by the Chinese when this comes out, this podcast.
0: No, I don't really care. Oh, by saying by hacked this week Yeah, just this week, you know, there's a platform on uh, Facebook called Asian Creative Network. I think you, you, yeah, you invited me to join that one. And there was a photographer sharing pictures of the Hong Kong protest. Like, that's his work. And immediately, underneath his post, there was a member saying that, oh, can we not make art political, please? (sighs) (laughs) And, of course, everyone's, like, calling her out. What do you mean? Art's yes. always being political.
1: Everything is political. Yeah. Every every yeah. fucking thing is political, especially art.
0: Like, yeah. there is yeah. no yeah, separation. Art.
1: Yeah. Like, I remember, th- and this is thing I really, I can't wait to, like, tr- just, like, see this professor again and tell him how much anger I still feel. So, like, when I was at university, I was mm. giving a presentation on Oklahoma, the musical, mm. and I remember okay. I said this one line, I said, everything is political, like in music, mm-hmm. in art. Yeah. And, and he yeah. called me out. He stopped me in a presentation in front of like 100 people and he was like, I would disagree. Not everything is political. And like back well, then I didn't his, know anything. And he was a white guy. Him. Yeah, and, yeah. And I remember just being like, oh, okay, sure. But like since then I've just been like, fuck you, dude. Like He's the, trying to the, doubt the, you.
0: He's yeah, the, to the, press l- you down.
1: <laughs> the, the, the older I get, the more I'm like, everything is political. Yeah, the people who yes. are in power don't want you to think that.
0: Yeah, because if you, it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it. Like, the less you know.
1: Politics is basically anything to do with power relations and everything has to do yeah. with power relations, mm-hmm. you yeah. know?
0: So do you have a favourite photo from the world press? I do, but I wanted to take people
1: through um, Okay. Yep. the mm-hmm. different winners throughout the years and really just cement the idea of I want to draw a picture for people listening for what, like, is that the seed of, you know, the conflict that I have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in in 1961, during the early years of the the prize, the winning photo was taken by Yasushi Nagayo. And I'm sure some of you have seen it. It's a picture that shows a young student, a male student, and he's on stage. He has a sword in his hand and he's just about to plunge it into... Um, this guy who's speaking—he, this guy was a Socialist Party chairman on the stage, and it was in Tokyo. It's very dramatic that moment he's about to go in and kill this guy. Was uh, it on
0: 1960? 1960... 61. Oh yeah, yeah, I've got it. I've got it in front of me now. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a very dramatic picture. And in 1963, um, Malcolm W. Brown took a photo of a Buddhist monk who was who set himself on fire. Um in protest of the South Vietnamese government's persecution of Buddhists in Saigon, that's also a very horrifying picture it's it's pictures are so haunting because they show something they show they capture a moment in they they like freeze time basically you know, and in our daily lives, we can't freeze time you know mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. picture is it's, it's so haunting because it's silent, mm-hmm. but like you're seeing someone burning literally burning you know it's horrifying. Um, in 1964, mm-hmm. Don McCullen, um took a photo which won that year's prize, and it showed a Turkish woman mourning the dead husband, her dead husband, who was a victim of the Cypriot um, civil war, and her face is just like a lot of the faces we see throughout the years. Of pictures included in this contest of women grieving, women crying, women wailing. You know, women are very much depicted in this very specific way, you know, always the grieving one. Mm-hmm. In 1968, um, Eddie Adams, another white dude, took a picture, a famous picture of the South v- Vietnam National Police Chief executing a Viet Cong member. And it's like a, a picture of mm-hmm. right when he his the bullet comes out of the um the gun and then the victim um has his head kind of tilted mm-hmm. to the side and his hands are behind him you know the picture i'm talking about right it's very famous
0: and i wonder how 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 they managed to take a photo that close yeah how that's they that's a very yeah well terribly back, yeah. yeah scary proximity it's scary yeah
1: yeah yeah Um, In 1973, um, Nick Yult took probably one of the most famous pictures ever of a young girl fleeing napalm Mm -hmm. dropped on South Vietnamese troops and civilians. In 1982, Mike Wells took a picture of a hand of a severely malnourished black boy on top of a white Catholic monk's hand in northeastern Uganda. I feel like in the 90s we grew up a lot um with those images on um channel ten or channel seven like when we watch TV, you know, the world the what is it, the world Yeah, World Vision. Thank you. Yes. World Vision was massive in the nineties and the early two thousands and it was always like it was always every single night I saw a picture of a black kid with mosquitoes flooding their face. Yeah, give a dollar a day. Give a dollar a day. Yeah. The following year, in 1983, uh, Robin Moyer took a picture of Palestinian bodies, dead bodies, after a massacre by Christian militia in the streets of Beirut. So,
0: like, I, I could go on forever. It seems like all the photos is has to be relate to tragic events that is connected to the winning element. Exactly, for, that's what for you know, War press. It's I don't know. Is that, is that is there a criteria to become the winner of the contest? I just like, feel really conflicted why? about that. Like we need to, co- I don't know. I would question the reason to have it as mm. a contest, you know. Is there like a competition element in between? Yeah, who yeah, gets the like, best
1: picture of like people's greatest sufferings?
0: Yeah, it's, I don't know.
1: It's fucked up, right?
0: Yeah, it is.
1: It shouldn't be a contest. It should just be like, it shouldn't be a competition, maybe, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we already have enough conflict around the world, you know, to the extent of human suffering, and then you're bringing now pictures of human suffering into a contest.
1: Yeah, there's something deeply fucked up about that, hey? Mm. Yeah. yeah. You've really just nailed it on the head for me this conflict that I have, like there's nothing wrong with the foundation. It's the fact that Mm -hmm. they're making it into a competition, which I think is really fucked up. And also um, the judges, you know, often are white Mm -hmm. people. White people Mm -hmm. are still continuing to be the people who are adjudicating, you know, what is considered worthy Mm -hmm. and what has significance. You know, they're still the adjudicators at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. It feels a bit wrong as in ethical wise that, I don't know, is it, should it be called exploitation? Yeah, you know you're, know, you're making, you're, you're making a competition out of people suffering and the more powerful, like what what is considered powerful photos, you know, everyone will interpret differently. Yeah. Like we said before, you know, perhaps female and male will take different types of photos and we interpret the photos differently like for those as for me I, I wouldn't want to see photos of people suffering i mean i acknowledge the sufferings but you you're having those photos and put them into a competition i don't know you you got a question on that yeah
1: yeah yeah what is your agenda you know
0: yeah that's true as in as a why you have to have a competition yeah. or a contest
1: yeah i know i know what you mean um yeah, like there shouldn't be a hierarchy. The moment you have a contest for something, you're saying that there's a hierarchy mm-hmm. and of value, you know, that the winning photo mm-hmm. has yeah. merit and credit and value in a way that all the other nominees don't have. And often the winning photo is mm-hmm. of someone suffering, someone disenfranchised, mm-hmm. someone in the developing country. Yeah, Mind you, in the last couple of years, um they have there have been one or two pictures that haven't
0: yeah, necessarily like that.
1: um explicitly captured a moment of great suffering. So my actually my favorite picture my favorite picture is one by Mads Nelson, um a Danish mm. photojournalist, and he won the prize in twenty fifteen. And it was a photo taken in Russia of two young men, their lovers, inside a room and it's really dark. Mm-hmm. And yep. one of them is lying on his back mm-hmm. and the other one is sort of sitting up next to him and they're both naked from the top up. Mm-hmm. They're both mm-hmm. like, like their, their torsos are exposed and the one sitting up is kind of leaning forward over and he has his hands over his lover And it's a very dark picture, as in, like, there's not much light. Mm -hmm. Um, The background is just like a curtain, a dark curtain, kind of blackish, that's Mm -hmm. drawn closed. So you know that they're in quite a... a, Mm -hmm. I'd say it looked like a large room, um, but they were being sheltered from the outside. And it was just such a beautiful picture Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because, well, they're lovers. And in in Russia, you know, LGBTQ rights are basically non-existent. It's Mm -hmm. fucked up there. So I think I really love this picture because it's so quiet. I like quiet things. And it just, it's so powerful because it that picture didn't rest on the, it didn't rest or rely on a moment of someone's deep, mm-hmm. sudden trauma or sudden grief. It's like, it's more slow, like, it was able to say, it was able just to speak just as loudly as any of those pictures of women suffering, but it didn't exploit these two men because they were in their moment and and you could just sit with them Mm -hmm. and, like, understand Mm -hmm. that they couldn't be outside and do what they were doing inside the room because the country in which they live in Mm -hmm. persecutes men who love men. Yeah, You know? It was just, oh...
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like a safe space that they're showing on the photo. Mm, and yeah. and
1: like it was just as powerful and as, as any of those pictures of dead people and yet mm-hmm. it didn't capitalize on dead people. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't capitalize on someone's moment of grief, private moment of grief. Mm-hmm. This was something more nuanced and,
0: mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just
1: uh, that, like you saw that there was a lot of thought that went into that picture mm-hmm. and I think that for me... Says way more than the other pictures that just kind of the the photographer was in your face. <laughs> the photographer was at the right place uh-huh. in the right time. Yeah, there's an element of luck, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue the fact that if we interviewed a couple of photojournalists, they would definitely say mm-hmm. like I was like a, the part of their success as as a f- artist, you know Um, because I'd say very much that photojournalism is an art form Mm -hmm. and it's the most important art form, like writing, like filmmaking, like any other art form, um, that they would admit that there's definitely an element of luck, like you need to be at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And like Philip Montgomery, who is um, a young uh, American photojournalist Mm -hmm. who who was recently on a long-form podcast, he talked about how when he was growing up, he was kind of like hoping that there was something big that happened in the news world that happened to the world that they that he could then go and be the person who really captured mm-hmm. that moment in history. And then COVID happened, and he's really one of the main photographers, at least for like the New York Times mm-hmm. and big publications in the states, where he's been able to penetrate um uh, a lot of the hospitals in New York mm-hmm. during the worst times mm-hmm. around March and April. Yep. And he was, the, he was one of the few journalists who were given access into these places where often, most of the time, um, black people, black mm-hmm. bodies were being the ones being ferried into these hospitals, um, being the ones that were being resuscitated, you know mm-hmm. and, and I just remember this is, and then when I listened to Phil Montgomery on long form talking with Aaron Lambert, that was the moment where I was like, "Why are they not talking about the fact that Phil is white?" Like, Mm -hmm. why are they not talking about the fact that photojournalism is mostly people who look like um, Phil Montgomery? Like, I was angry that they didn't bring that up and that's why I think I wanted to talk about this issue today.
0: Mm -hmm. Whereas you you mentioned that he took photos of um, black people, patients, or, you know, the deaths occur within the black um, community from COVID-19, then Mm. probably it could have extended to the discussion of you know the Af- african americans are less likely to get the proper healthcare than, Absolutely. that they yeah. could have because you of know compared so to so many their, systemic yeah, reasons mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and like if you if you go on phil montgomery's um, instagram page mm-hmm. it's really 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 beautiful mm-hmm. like it's very beautiful like he takes beautiful stunning pictures mm-hmm. Uh, and in the last couple of weeks, there are uh, they're all of black faces, okay uh, black people, you know, mm. um and I just and and a, and a lot of these pictures are black and white mm-hmm. as well recently, mm-hmm. and like there's just something like I know I did this when I was experimenting with photojournalism. I often turned my pictures black and white because I wanted to beautify what I was capturing. Mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, I just feel like there's something strange at work when. A photographer deliberately
0: make a black and white
1: changes something into black and white like they're making something do you think it's, it looks more
0: classic classic yeah, that's the word I was going to look yeah, for.
1: like and there's a certain power move that the the photographer makes in in changing mm-hmm. the tone and the colour of the faces in which he is mm-hmm. capturing, yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I just I, I want to be able to talk about this space because it's really interesting. The decision to turn a photo into a black and white picture—like, what does that do to the image, and how does the viewer respond to what is being seen on yeah. the page, on yeah. the screen? You know what I mean?
0: I always feel like if it's a black and white photo, it's not gonna be something that looks happy you know, it doesn't resonate with the happiness emotion when you see a black and white photo. It it feels more like a sad or a very tragic emotion. You know, it's trying to interpret something that's probably not as positive, yeah.
1: Well, there are, you know, wedding pictures, people turn Mm. into black and white.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, And like family portraits that are black and white. I feel like people turn things black and white. I don't,
0: I don't know. I don't like black and white family portraits. It feels oh, really? like a funeral photo.
1: I personally, <laughs> and I think I'm not unusual in saying this, but I find black mm. and white makes something look timeless.
0: Mm, could be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and, and what it does when you strip away colour is you're saying, you're really kind of memorialising mm. this person, but in a very, also in a very two-dimensional way. Hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean ostensibly yeah. what you're doing when you're taking a picture of someone is your like susan tontag says this in her collection in her book um, on photography you're changing someone by the act of capturing them you know something mm-hmm. changes with mm-hmm. your interaction with that subject which you're capturing you know the relationship mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. i think that's why i yeah. never really like taking a lot of pictures of when we go on holidays like I just feel like well a I never look at the pictures ever again but also my relationship (laughs) to the chain my relationship to that place changes if I capture it it's like you know a lot of um indigenous cultures and cultures Mm -hmm. around the world believe that you know when you cap take a picture you're sucking out the soul Soul. of that place or the human being Uh yeah Yeah, I really believe there's something to do with that you know Yeah, yeah I really honestly believe that there's something to do with someone's essence that changes the moment you stop time that's what you're doing yeah when you're taking a picture you're stopping time Mm -hmm. yeah there's something yeah really interesting about that you know cool um throughout history we've seen in the west the people who suffer the people we've seen suffer in unimaginable ways are often through the lens of a white male photographer
0: and also none of those photos the winning photos none of them are actually taken in the location of west west western worlds is there exactly it's always it's always the suffering of the more less developed nations world exactly yeah yeah,
1: yeah. there's a sort of like foreign it's like it's like a competition that capitalizes on the foreign mm-hmm. foreignness and the suffering of foreign people mm-hmm. of places outside of your own country mm-hmm. that's the deep discomfort that i feel mm-hmm. regarding the contest yeah There's this great quote by John Mason, a professor of African history and photography in the States, and he said images like the ones in the um, Mm. world press contest, they create a false knowledge about barbarity and sensuality of their subjects, and they continue to be part of the visual culture of white supremacy.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Like, they, yeah, they continue to be objects of fascination, curiosity or concern. You know, so Mm. here I am... In my like perfect bubbly world in Sydney, um, staring at images of these people who are black or Arab or Asian, and they're suffering in ways that I probably perhaps will never encounter. Mm -hmm. And I just think that there's a real strange incongruence to that. Yeah. To that, like, viewer subject relationship you know Mm -hmm. and then the middle person the middle person is always the white man Mm -hmm. that's what i have a conflict about
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i agree
1: it's like one person's one set of people's suffering is made into another person's education
0: yeah yeah do you know what i mean it has to be and especially it has to be those it needs to be photos that's powerful enough that's like smack on your face to understand or otherwise, you know, the ones that are not the winning, again, you know, having the as a contest, the, the ones that are not the winning photos, is probably not as powerful.
1: Yeah. Actually, yeah. it's interesting we haven't said the word shock. Like like there needs to be a shock oh, factor, okay. you know, mm-hmm. with all mm-hmm. these pictures that has, have won in the last few years. The ones that have made mm-hmm. it have, like, really been shocking to look at, like dead mm-hmm. bodies, mutilated bodies, blood. Like, one of the main reasons I went to Palestine and the Middle East in my 20s was because I was so sick of seeing these pictures where Arab people were simply two-dimensional figures on the page Mm. and they were just crying Mm. babies, like, Mm. in in, um, refugee camps. Like, I was so sick of being...
0: Having those pictures stuffed into your face, yeah.
1: Having those pictures stuffed into my face, thrust Mm. down my throat, and, like, really... These all these images were basically mm-hmm. victimizing them and saying like, "Here are the victims," and um that's that's all. Like it's it's yeah. very disempowering, you know. And I I wanted to go to the Middle East because I wanted to search for mm. some truth, on, or at least some element of truth about what it was really genuinely like for the people yeah. on the ground, yeah. you know. And I'm not saying like I feel like the the way I'm talking about it, I I feel like listeners might think oh Jessie's just like showing off the fact that you know she was able to travel there and like you know she wanted to find the truth whatever yeah no 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 I, like i'm not praising myself at all like no i i did like i'm not saying what i did was remarkable in the least like i was proof priv- i had the money mm. to fucking fly myself over there but i genuinely mm. wanted for my mm. own personal gain and yeah that selfish definitely i wanted to know what i i wanted to have a more real picture of what the real world was and the only way you're going to do that is by fucking going if you can is by fucking going over there and talking to the people
0: yeah 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 experience it yourself yeah, otherwise you're always seeing the world through other people's lens rather than your own eyes.
1: And that is, yeah, that is what I'm so sick of being mm. in Sydney. Like I'm <laughs> only ever seeing the world through mm. white lens because most of the people in Australian media are white.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true.
1: Such a, like, and the uh, people's relationships with photos and images are, are so heightened these days, you know, because everyone's on Instagram. Yeah,
0: social media does play a big so, part of it. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and and like you know, fifty years ago, to be a photojournalist is not the way, is not the same as what it means to be a photojournalist today. Mm -hmm. You know, like I remember when I was trying to become a photojournalist, people were like, "Oh, it's hard because now everyone has a smartphone and everyone can take decent pictures." Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. like the the definitions photography is so exciting like I think photography will always be like novels or, or um, movies it would have a, a limitless future and I'm so excited by this I'm so excited by how social media will force the photography industry to redefine itself in terms of what is beautiful and what is valuable you know, because what is beautiful and what is valuable is often
0: captured in a visual form. Yeah. Well said.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Um, stay safe in the next couple of weeks. Do um, stay safe. Take a yeah hiatus from your phone if you can, <laughs> if you're if you're permitted to. Yeah.
0: And check out those photos on WordPress.
1: Yeah, check out those photos. If you have yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And check sit out with the them. I, I really encourage people. Listeners, sit sit with these pictures and like ask yourself what you think those people behind the camera
0: are trying to say to you. And how do you how would you interpret those photos yeah. personally? Yeah. 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 Exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll catch you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Okay. That's it. Bye. Bye.